okay, let me get this out of the way. I didn't steal that donkey, okay? I, I borrowed it. And, and it wasn't even my idea. Jesus told me to take it, to, to, to borrow it, right? Um, okay, this is, this is how it happened. Um, earlier today, there was a large group of us, and we were traveling from Bethany to Jerusalem. We stopped just outside the city, and Jesus looked at two of us, and he said there was an unridden donkey just inside the village and asked us to go get it. He said, if anybody, you know, ask us about it, we could just look at him and say, the Lord needs it and he'll send it back. So the two of us beat it into town. And the whole time we were like, what is Jesus going to do with a donkey, right? But by this point, we realized you don't second guess Jesus, right? He hadn't told us why and we didn't ask. We just got him a donkey. And when we got back, <laughs> that's uh, that's what it uh, that's what it happened. Um, some people put their coats on the donkey, and Jesus got on the donkey, and um, <laughs> when he got on the donkey, <sighs> I don't know. It's like um, everyone started shouting and dancing and singing and um, some people were throwing their coats in front of the donkey there, there was there was a, some of us that grabbed some palm branches and we started waving them in the air and that's when it clicked Jesus had finally arrived um, I know that sounds weird that's it. no it's it's like this um, in the past we would get excited because Jesus would do something, a miracle, or he, there would be some parable or something. He said, we'd get excited about it. And Jesus would always be like, shh, come on, guys. No, 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 nope. Just be quiet, you know. And then we'd come up with some idea. Hey, let's do this or let's do that. And Jesus would, would be like, no, guys, no, not, not now, not now. But today, <laughs> today was now. Today, he finally let us shout and sing and dance and treat him like the Messiah that we'd all been waiting for. He finally showed up. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, it feels like it's something big, but who knows, you know, but... It doesn't matter what happens. Because Jesus showed up. And there, <laughs> there's nothing better than when Jesus shows up. <laughs>
There's an article in Christianity Today written by Pastor Rodney Combs titled, I Preach for Me. He says that each Sunday he preaches the things he needs to hear because he has to, he's learned over the years that whenever he struggles with something, kind of day-to-day stuff, he finds that his church mem- members struggle with the same things day-to-day. I can say the same thing. I, I hardly ever preach where I'm not preaching to David, okay? I've got to preach to David because I need it. And afterwards, I hear so much, thanks, Pastor. You were uh, speaking right to me today. I'm like, hmm, I thought I was speaking to me. <laughs> I've heard preachers say this, that you should only preach on topics you've personally mastered. The problem with that is there are 52 weeks in a year, 52 Sundays, and if I preach on the things that I've mastered, then what do I do with the other 51 weeks? Okay? All right. I've never tried to kid you. When it comes to living the Christian life, I'm a work in progress, just like everybody else. I've been doing this for over three decades, and I have not arrived. I'm called to be a leader. All right? God's placed me in a position of leadership. But when it comes to leadership greatness, I haven't arrived. This current series has been a challenge for me to step it up, to serve others more enthusiastically, to build others up more effectively, to be more accountable to myself, to the Bible, to my spiritual leaders. And as we'll see today, I've been challenged to make better decisions. In this series, I've been preaching to me, of course, but I've also been preaching to you. God has called you to leadership in some area of your life. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's right here in the ministry of the church. But you can be sure that God has called each and every one of us. And he's challenging us to step it up, to rise up, to be the kind of leader he intends us to be. You want to know what one of the hardest things for a leader to do is? right here in today's message. The leader is decisive. Decisive. This is where the leadership principles go from theory to practice. It's where leaders prove their bravery. You know, when you're casting vision, just sharing an idea, like my dream, okay, no one's going to criticize you too much. They might laugh behind your back, maybe even a little bit in front of your face to tell you you're foolish, you just don't have what it takes. But you really don't encounter a great deal of hostility in vision casting. People don't usually leave a church because the leadership team has a great vision. However, when you start making decisions based on those dreams, based on the vision, watch out. You're bound to step on some toes. Making decisions can be very lonely. Many times you'll find yourself in a decision-making situation where you're guaranteed to make someone mad. You know how that goes, one side or the other. If you uh, choose A, then everyone on side B is going to accuse you of favoritism. If you choose side B, everybody on the A side are going to accuse you of selling out. Many times you'll find yourself in a decision-making situation in which you have really disappointed someone. 
I was in a hiring situation once, and we had this outstanding candidate. It was a no-brainer. He was the one. But we also had a couple of other good candidates. One of them in particular desperately needed this job. He came in as a very strong second. But let's face it, second place is second place, right? I had to choose the better candidate, and then I had to tell this guy we chose somebody else. That was tough. That was really hard. It's an awesome responsibility to be in a decision-making position. Your decisions will affect maybe your company, maybe your family, could affect your church, other people. It could affect your own future. You need to get it right. So today, we're going to look at six things to consider as we face decisions. These six things will help whether you're buying a car or getting married, starting a business, or moving across the country. These six things we need to have when we're struggling with a decision. Here's the first one. Decision makers ask the right questions. Ask the right questions. Wise King Solomon said, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame. I've always acquainted this proverb with with decision making. Because the one who answers before listening is just like the one who decides before getting all the facts. And that leads to folly. That leads to shame. You know, of all the organizations that should get this right, you know, develop the sense of getting the facts first, you would think it would be the newspaper companies, right? At least up there at the top of the list. <laughs> but last year, I think it was, maybe a couple years ago, the Toronto, Toronto Star made an impulsive decision to print an article that had no basis in fact. A newspaper reporter named Richard Brennan was browsing Facebook one day, and he came across a recently posted picture of Margaret Best, the Canadian Minister for Consumer Services. It was a picture of her on vacation in Mexico. Wait a minute, Brennan thought. This woman is supposed to be sick. She's currently off work on paid medical leave, and yet here she is spending the taxpayer's money on a lavish tropical vacation. Sounds like a front-page story to me. So he quickly wrote the story. He he, uh, uh, handed it in, the editor liked it, and the, the paper ran it on the front page of the Toronto Star. The problem was that it turns out Miss Best wasn't in Mexico at all. She was at home recovering But that day she happened to post some photos on her Facebook from the vacation she took in Mexico five years ago. The reporter was such a Facebook newbie, kind of reminds me of me, I'm always messing up Facebook. He didn't realize the difference between date posted and date taken on a photo. Instead of asking careful questions, he just went ahead made the mistake. So did the boss of the newspaper. The star eventually offered a big front page apology. Shame, folly. This kind of decision strategy should be described as ready, fire, aim. This is what happens when you make decisions too quickly. There's a balance to be maintained because you can't put off a decision forever. But 
If you make a decision too quickly, before you have the facts, there's a chance your decision will backfire on you. Before you decide, ask yourself, do I know what I need to know? Have I taken a second look, maybe a third look? Am I rushing in uninformed? People will sometimes pressure you into making a decision quickly because it benefits them. However, if it's your decision, you're the one that has to live with it. So don't be afraid to take the appropriate amount of time to ask the necessary question because decision makers need to ask the right questions. Very important. Here's the second thing. Decision makers ask the right people. The book of Proverbs is full of advice on getting advice. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Again and again, the book of Proverbs tells us, get wisdom, get advice. Every time I have to make a big decision, I like to bounce it off people, a lot of people. I want to get their feedback. I kind of break it down into three categories, no particular order here. I'll discuss decisions with the people I work with, get their opinion. Second thing is I'll discuss decisions with my family members, my closest friends. The third group I often discuss an upcoming decision with someone I respect and admire, but has enough distance from my situation that he or she can be candid and objective. Proverbs teaches us that there is wisdom in the counsel of many. But listen, it doesn't mean that the many will always give you the same advice. In fact, you could ask five people their advice and you may get five different opinions. However, in all that advice, as varied as it may be, you'll uncover the wisdom you need to make for the best decision. So when you find yourself facing a decision, make a short list of people whose opinion you respect, people you trust, and give them the opportunity to share a different perspective with you. Decision makers ask the right questions and they ask the right people. Number three, decision makers put distance between their decision and their emotions. This is a big one. It's not easy. The emotions make these clear-headed decisions very difficult to make. It's not that our emotions tell us the wrong thing necessarily, but strong emotions can do different things to us. They can mess up our discernment and, and make it hard to decide not just what's bad and good, but the difference between what's good and great. There could be two or three things that are very good that you're trying to decide on, but there's one that's the best. Good decision-making is when you put that distance between your emotions and the, and the decision. They make decisions based on predetermined values and priorities rather than a rush of emotion. Here's what King David said. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. As much as possible, we need to set our hearts right up front 
on which values are going to determine our decisions long before the feelings have a chance to take over. You know, whenever I'm speaking on money, I do not like to talk about giving when the church is in financial trouble. They're like, well, I know why he's talking about that. Or what about if we're, we're in a rift with everybody? We got factions going on. I don't want to do a message then on forgiveness or reconciliation. It's nice to talk about those things when nothing's happening because you've already set things up for when they do. Here's another example. If you're single, before you start dating, decide in advance the qualities you expect in a person and then choose a relationship based on that, not just on the feelings that rush in. I've had friends who struggled with a decision to marry a certain person. Multiple times this has happened because they, they love this person they're with, but maybe as Christians, the other person's not a believer. So they're wrestling with that decision. But what happened was these friends of mine that did this, they, they got the emotions in the way first, and it really hurts the decision-making process. You ever bought a car on emotion? I have. How did it work out for you? Not very well for me. I bought a car once based completely on its appearance. I paid too much. It wasn't reliable. Terrible gas mileage. The insurance was high. It was practically impossible to sell. But man, it looked great sitting there in my driveway when the hood wasn't up. Now I try to decide in advance what I want out of a car so that my emotions don't cloud my judgment when I'm on the showroom floor with a salesman that's kind of pushing me. We should determine in advance, based on what we know is right, all that we want an investment in. Maybe it's a job opportunity, a new house, a friendship, any other thing like that that we have to make a decision on. Decide that stuff now so you can put some distance between a decision and your emotions. Here's number four. Decision makers pull the trigger. Bang. (laughs) Decision makers must have the courage to say at the right time, let's do this and let's do it now. I really uh, admire people that can do that. Just they see it. Hey, this is what we need to do. Let's go. The legendary oil tycoon T. Boone Pickens gives this advice. Be willing to make decisions. That's the most important quality in good leadership. Don't fall victim to what I call the ready, aim, 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 aim syndrome. You must be willing to fire. The book of James talks about a double-minded person. He says... An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. If you can't make decisions in most places, you probably can't make decisions in any place very easily. It's all kind of hard. Ronald Reagan used to tell a story about uh, the consequences of indecision. He said that when he was young, his aunt took him to a, a shoemaker to have a pair of shoes made. The shoemaker said, do you want a square toe or a round toe? Reagan didn't really know, so he said, well, come back in a few days when you figure it out. Well, a couple days later, 
uh, this shoemaker ran into Reagan on the street and said, have you decided? And he said, I still haven't decided which one. So the shoemaker said, okay, well, your shoes will be ready tomorrow. So Reagan went over there, looked at the shoes. One had a square toe, one had a round toe. He said, looking at those shoes every day taught me a lesson. If you don't make your own decisions, somebody else will make them for you. Oh, Reagan, you always could come up with that kind of stuff. And you can be sure that if someone else makes your decisions for you, they'll be deciding on what's most important for them, not what's best for you. Every decision maker must arrive at the point where they say, let's do it. Let's take our shot at the target. And that's a scary moment. I get it. It's scary. Because it's at that point you risk failure. All the planning, the pre-planning, all the, the data compiled, all the research, all the preparation, there's really no risk in that, is there? But when you pull the trigger... You either hit the target or you miss it. That's the risk that every decision maker must be willing to take. You don't want to be guilty of ready, fire, aim, but neither do you want to be guilty of ready, aim, 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 aim. When you've asked the right questions and you've talked to the right people, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. Go for it. Number five, decision makers stay the course. They stay the course. They, they hang in there. There's an almost certain chance that after every big decision you make, you'll have the opportunity to second guess yourself. Did I do the right thing? Did I take the right job? Did I marry the right person? And if we're not careful, if we think about that too much, it will affect the commitment that we already made. Sometimes we think we've made a decision and we haven't decided at all. You know, yes, I'll move in that direction. I'm headed in that direction. And then we continue to vacillate. We give only half of ourselves to the decision. Half effort. Just in case we were wrong. You know how that goes. Once a decision is made, the decision maker needs to give 100% to that decision. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we recognize the ultimate decision made for all humankind. Jesus knew exactly what he had to do. He knew there was only one way for sinful people to be reconciled back to God. And he was determined to stay the course. It says in Luke 9, 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, put his face like flint, made his decision, he's going for it. Now this week, today's Palm Sunday, this whole week is known as Holy Week. The week we see him not only pull the trigger and say, I'm going to do this, but he also followed through with his decision. He was so decided that neither the cheering crowd on Palm Sunday nor the jeering crowd yelling crucify him was enough to prevent him from following through with his decision. 
He was resolute. Now, I understand that Jesus had this perfect connection with God. There was no doubt in his mind that he was making the right decision. We may not completely know if we've made the right one until everything's played itself out. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it backfires. But when we make a decision, no matter how big, no matter how small, we have only one option, to follow through with the commitment. And when a, a decision proves itself to have been one we shouldn't have made, maybe we made a mistake, that's possible, <laughs> maybe even probable, we still only have one option, and that's to correct it as quickly as possible. The option that doesn't exist in either situation is to throw away valuable time second-guessing. Another waste of time is beating yourself up if you make a mistake. That's why Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Stay the course. Decision makers do that. They don't second guess themselves. If they have a, if they have to correct a wrong, they do it. They get right in there. I want to be clear on that. They do it. But once a decision is made, give everything to follow through with that decision. So what do we need to remember when it comes to making a decision? Have I asked the right questions? Have I talked to the right people? Have I made my decision based on priorities, not emotions? Have I pulled the trigger? Have I put that decision into action? And have I stayed committed to the decision I made? These five questions will help you make better decisions. Now there's a sixth thing. It's so simple and so obvious that I saved it for the conclusion. I don't need to preach too long about this one because you already know how to do it. You've probably been wondering why I didn't have it in there so far. I saved it for now because it's the most important step in the process. Decision makers pray about every decision to be made. Everything. That's exactly what Jesus did before, during, and after he made his decision to go to the cross. He knew he was going there. And he prayed all the time. And that's also exactly why he understands that he doesn't find fault when we ask for wisdom because he knows we need it. So now we're back to our scripture verse for the, for the morning. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. And he won't rebuke you for asking because he understands. As you approach a decision... In every aspect, present all of it to God. He's the one that's going to help you through all of it. All those first five, he's the one that's going to help you with the right questions. He's going to put them in your head. If you're praying to him, he's going to show you who to talk to. It's his word that will help define the right values and priorities you have. He's going to give you the courage and the commitment to pull the trigger and to stay the course. 
And in the event that you choose wrong, he'll help you get back on track. Decision-making is not an easy process for leaders. Everybody raise your hand. That's all the leaders in the room. Okay, I don't want anybody to feel left out. We're all leaders in some capacity, somewhere. You know, making decisions is not always the way to become popular. Dads, moms, sometimes you have to make a decision at home that makes you not very popular with the kids. It happens all over the place. But decisions that affect your life are far too important to leave in the hands of someone else. Somebody's going to make your decisions for you if you don't make them. God is challenging you and me to make decisions strong and sure as we rise to the challenge of godly leadership. Let's pray. God, you know us all intimately. You created us. You know our struggles, and I know all of us struggle with decision-making from time to time. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we seek your face to do the right things, to maybe go through this list and, and be, be diligent at making a decision the right way, not just jumping into something with no facts, nothing but emotions, Help us, God, to hear your voice clearly. Hear your voice saying, here is the path. Walk ye in it. And we'll thank you in the end for leading us the right way. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, would you do something? We're going to sing one more song. Take those palm branches. Maybe you want to cut a little piece off. Stick it up on your, the mirror of your bathroom or your rear view mirror. Somewhere you're going to be looking all the time. Let it remind you to make decisions today. Make them this way. And, and I challenge all of us to pull that trigger and stay the course. Amen? Amen. Thank you.